This is episode 571 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Latrines, a critical prep to plan. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Hey, before we get started, I have some things to briefly talk about. The first is I received an email that just kind of blessed me really, really big. And so I just wanted to share that with you. It's uh, from Dave. He says, hello, Todd. Just wanted to contact you and say how much I enjoy your podcast. I would love to give you a five-star review. However, the podcast program that I listen to you on, I have been unable to find anywhere that I can do that. So I thought I would send you this email and tell you that I think you do an outstanding job and I really look forward to each podcast. I'm recently retired and have been a prepper all my life and grew up with parents who survived the Great Depression. I can honestly say that I feel at ease in knowing that I could withstand an array of unexpected events due to my preps and have had to as well in the past. The last years that I worked, I would get off at three in the morning and had an hour commute home and always looked forward that you went along on the ride through the back roads of Southern Ohio. Well, keep up the good work and I will continue to look forward to your great work. Sincerely, Dave from Southern Ohio. Again, Dave, thanks so much for that email. It always, it does bless me when I do see reviews, people that you know have left reviews and people who email me is just, it's a, it's a big blessing and a great encouragement. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I know you don't have to do that. And guys, if you find the, uh, the podcast is a blessing to you, I would greatly appreciate your reviews on iTunes and any of the other podcast catchers out there. It really just helps for when people come and they're searching and they find, they land on the podcast, they're going to look at the reviews. I mean, I know I do, and maybe there's people out there that don't, but for the most part, you're going to look at the reviews. You're going to see what people are saying, and you're going to see if like, hey, this is something that I need to add to my podcast catcher. Should I take my time with this? And so the more people that do that, the more eyes that get to see that. And, you know, that again, like I said, more people find out about the podcast. That's a big deal. I would also ask you if you would help me out and share the podcast out there with people that you know, you know, whether that's social media and I've been really negative on social media. I'm still going to be so negative on social media uh, as far as what, you know, the effects and all that kind of stuff. But I know that there's a lot of people out there. And so if you can share it out by word word of mouth, I mean, you know, when someone shares something with me by word of mouth, that, that says a lot more than just posting a link in a forum or on social media or whatever. So if you can share that out, you know, people that might be interested in preparedness, maybe they're interested in gardening or whatever. And because of the topics that we share, they might be interested in this. So anyway, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. So thank you so much for doing that. The other thing that I wanted to share is just uh one of those like hey, keep your eyes open type things. And this is not a warning. This is not even thus saith the Lord or anything like that. It's just things that are going on right now. So if you are not paying attention to the news or even the alternative news, 
you might might not have heard that uh, Saudi Arabia had a couple of oil tankers, and they Saudi Arabia was saying that they were sabotaged, right? And so you know, up in flames and all that kind of stuff. So being on Twitter. Uh, I, I saw something from the Wall Street Journal. It says, well, I, actually, it was retweeted by Zero Hedge, but the Wall Street Journal says, Iran likely was behind the attacks on two Saudi oil tankers and two other ships near the Strait of Hormuz, according to an initial U.S. assessment. All right, so you have that. And of course, Zero Hedge is being a little sarcastic. Iran is active in the Gulf of Tonkin. And so, you know, that's, that's something is like, is almost calling it out, right? It's like, are you kidding me? I mean, y'all are setting this up. We've been here before, right? Uh, we've been here before. Maybe there's a younger generation that doesn't, you know, doesn't know that. I mean, of course, I do. I wasn't even around, but people can see that it's set up. I mean, come on, it's like pushing this thing going on. And so, just be aware because if things start going down, oil tankers start, you know, blowing up, and things start happening, oil prices are going through the roof. You had, uh, you know, those of you that listen to me on a regular basis know that I record this podcast the night before. So this is Monday night. I'm recording the Tuesday night podcast. You know, the Dow Jones just, you know, it was like a negative 600 and something. I can't remember the last little bit that, you know, that it finally landed on. Again, the stock market is not the end all be all of our economy, but you know, I was reading an article that's over actually. Uh, it's I posted it on Prepper website about from on Survival Blog, and it was actually a repost uh, from uh, Brian Smith, I believe, at Alt News Media, and he was talking about one of the comments that he that he made, and I just remembered it was that when people see the the stock market, a lot of the times they see the downturn in it. It's like, man, that is one of the things that really it's it's like it's already gone downhill, right? It's already you know, far down the road. And so uh, that's one of the last indicators there. You don't want to look the Dow, the Dow, the stock market, all that kind of stuff. That's not the indicator that you peg everything on. That's one of the things that starts to really go downhill towards the end. There's other things you should be looking at. And so that's a pretty interesting article that you might want to look at. And uh, just recently, so it'll be at the top of Prepper website if you want to go and check that one out. But I'm just saying there's a lot of crazy things going on right now. So it would be worth it to pay attention to what's happening so that you just if you need to, uh, you know, make adjustments. If you need to you know, make some decisions and just so that you can be aware, because people start, you know, when people start acting crazy and panicky and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you just want to know you want to be ahead of the game and you just there's a lot of balls up in the air right now. And again, I am not throwing out doom porn. I am not saying run for the hills. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I am just saying there's a lot of things going on. And so be paying attention. I mean, we can talk about political issues going on here in our country. We can talk about the media. We can talk about, you know, how they're deplatforming all these, you know, conservatives and some Christians and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff from social media. And, you know, go on. On and on. I do recommend, I haven't been really putting them all together recently, but I do recommend that you go search out some of those uh, prophecy teachers that I've mentioned before in the past. And not, if, well, those of you that are Christians would want to know the Christian aspect of it or the side of it, but those of you that are not, 
just the news side of it because they're getting information from a lot of different people from all over the world that are sending them information, things that sometimes don't even find their way on alternative news sites. And so when you're you're listening to them, you can get news that you're not hearing from any anybody else. And so I have learned a lot of things just from the news perspective, not necessarily just the, the biblical perspective, but just the news perspective from listening to them. And so like John Haller, Jacob Prash, a lot of these guys, they, they come out with some really great stuff and uh, great information that you don't hear otherwise. So if you're not sure some of those guys to follow, you can go over to edthatmatters.com and go to one of the older weekly watchmen, and then you can bounce to their YouTube channels from there. And I'm just saying it'd be worth it to kind of follow and, and, and listen to these guys as far as just the news aspect, if you don't want to listen to them for the biblical perspective. But there's just, like I said, there's a lot of things going on right now that we should be paying attention. All right, so enough of all that. Let's go ahead and jump into the article of the podcast. It comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. And when I saw this article, I was like, man, this is an important one. This is a very important one. You know, Spice uh, wrote this article and does a really good job uh, talking about latrines and things that you need to, to know. And it's not a very long article. It's a, it's a short one, but there's a lot of information here because if we get to that situation where the water's not running, where the sewers aren't running. This is going to be a bigger deal than most people realize. So I just want you to kind of think about your neighborhood where you live. If you live out in the suburbs and you are on a sewer that you know is pumped out to some kind of waste uh, plant or waste station, right? Then this is something that you really need to think about because if the water stops running and the sewers start stop, you know, pushing the sewage down, where's all that stuff going to go? You think about some of these big neighborhoods with all of these people and the yards. You don't have a you know very big yards and, and there's not a lot of forest around and land around. And what would you do for latrines for good hygiene? And so this article talks a little bit about how you need to go about doing it. And so let me go ahead and start reading it. I'm going to stop yapping. Let's go ahead and start reading it. And uh, I'll make a little comp a little few comments here and there. And uh, I want to point you to a resource that I found that I thought was interesting. And you can download it. It's a free download if you're interested in it. But anyway, so let's start. It's coming to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. Latrines, a critical prep to plan. Good latrines may be the difference between you and your neighbors surviving a multi-week or longer stuff-hit-the-fan situation or quickly falling ill and possibly dying from dysentery, cholera, and other fecal-borne diseases that hit third-world countries without good sanitation even to this day. Even if your family has a good hygiene setup, if your neighbors don't, their contamination can make you sick. So having a poop hit the fan plan is a critical and often overlooked prep. Guys, and I've talked about that before. You could do everything right as far as hygiene and sanitation, but your neighbors can do everything wrong and they can, you know, because they're tracking things all over the neighborhood and maybe tracking things into your yard, they can contaminate your yard and, and then your home and all of these things, right? So that's why it, you, when you're thinking about this, 
Don't just be thinking about your home. You got to think about your neighborhood. You got to think about your neighbors and in, in how you're going to operate in this kind of a situation. All right, so good latrines save lives, lots of lives. Medieval Europeans didn't lose more than 30% of their children before the age of five because they didn't have antibiotics. They certainly didn't lose that many because they lacked fancy imaging techniques. They lost most of them as underdeveloped areas still do today because they had poor hygiene. So being good preppers all, if we found ourselves in a situation without public sanitation, surely we'd have the sense to dig ourselves a latrine and put up an outhouse over it at least. And then we'd get a big rain and like as not, our pit would fill with water Feces would go floating off downstream into the water supply and then the walls of the pit would collapse and we'd have an outhouse sitting over a mucky mess. Or it could be the flies breeding down there in the pit to rise in maddening swarms then buzz off to land on our food or our kids' foreheads. Or maybe it would all seem just fine as the waste percolated quietly through cracks in the limestone to wind their way into the well water. All right, so this reminded me of uh, a time. So I took a class when I went back to college to finish up, and I didn't have a very good professor. My professor, who was um, the the one who uh, was supposed to guide me and tell me what kind of courses to take, he wasn't very good. And so I wound up taking a science class, a higher level science class than I had to take. And so when I got into the class and I realized I was in there with a bunch of nurses and stuff, it was microbiology. And they had basic science classes really that I should have taken. But anyway, so I'm taking this microbiology class with all these nurses and I, I loved I love the professor. He was a, he's a great guy. He's a missionary, actually. Uh, and uh, he and his wife, and, and actually he lost a son. Uh, his son was a missionary and was in another country and got sick, you know, because of a disease and he died. He passed away, uh, you know, when he, as because of being a missionary out there. But anyway, so he was talking about this issue here, microbiology. He talked about flies, something that I would never, ever forget, right? I've probably forgot most of the stuff in that, in that class, but uh, this one I never forget. So he talks about how it's easy for flies to spread, you know, disease. So he says, okay, so a fly is flying around your backyard. He lands on your dog's poop that's in the backyard. He eats the dog poop and then he decides to fly around. Well, you start up the the barbecue pit and you start grilling some steaks and the fly smells that and he says, hey, I, I really like that steak over there. That steak smells really great. And so the fly goes and when you're not paying attention, he lands on the steak. Now, the fly is full, so in order to eat, he's got to throw up what is in his um, body to be able to eat the steak. Now, all of this happens very, very quickly, right? So he throws up the dog poop that is in his body, and he eats a little bit of the steak, and he goes away. And so you wind up eating that steak and eating that dog poop. And if that dog poop had disease and stuff, maybe it wasn't a dog, maybe it was something else, then you know that gets passed along and it's that easy for things to happen. And that's why in underdeveloped countries that don't have good hygiene, you see a lot of these diseases just 
running rampant, right? And so we have the reason that, for instance, Ebola was one of the big deals why it runs rampant over there is because people don't wash their hands and they don't have all the, you know, all that that hygiene aspect of it. it. It probably wouldn't be as prevalent if it jumped over here because of our hygiene, if if everything kind of stayed in place, if it wasn't a true, you know, end of the world type pandemic diseases going crazy and all that kind of stuff. But one of the big reasons for it, you know, passing and moving so much is because of the bad hygiene conditions in Africa and other parts of the world. So sorry to be so gross on all of that, but this is reality. This is what we need to be thinking about, because if we truly were in a And like the article said here, even if it was a two week thing, two or three week thing or or whatever, for whatever reason, right, you couldn't use your your toilet, then you're in a situation where people can get sick really, really quick. And so you need to be thinking about this and have a plan in place. Right. So I like that poop hit the fan plan. You need to have that in place. All right. So let's go ahead and continue on. So latrine science. True, it's not a rocket science, but do most of us know at this moment how to construct even a simple latrine safely and durably? I didn't. The World Health Organization did though, and it published a very handy guide. The main points are summarized below to free you from the need of spending your quality time checking around following the search engine's term for latrine while leaving you with a clue if the sewer systems go away. So here's an episode of our podcast that we did for a previous article that this one supersedes on latrines. Give it a listen. All right, so that's episode 57 from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. It's called All the Poop About Poop. All right, so anyway, uh, you can go listen to that that podcast episode if you want to over, like always, guys, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you, you have that available. All right, so let's talk a little bit about placement of the latrine. The foremost thing is not to let the waste from the pit get into the water supply. That means the pit must be downhill from the water supply or at least on the other side of a ridge so the water supply isn't in the same drainage. But not on a floodplain and at least 2 meters, 6 feet, and for purposes of this piece I'm just going to roughly round meters to feet, so so 2 meters or 6 feet above the water table. If your water table is close to the surface, that may mean you have to build the latrine into a human-built mound that's more work but is effective. Mound or not, it needs to be at least 30 meters, call it 100 feet, from the water source. So guys, get that picture. If your water table is a lot lower than than it needs to be right for this latrine you're going to wind up hitting when you start digging down you're going to start hitting you know water and you're going to start hitting you know soggy soil and different things and water starts seeping in or whatever that is right and you know one of the comments here was going to be one of the comments in, in this article talks about that if you're not sure where that water table is you can even have dry soil and still be very close to it so you got to be careful uh, about how that all works out and how all that plays out 
the thing is, is that not too many people know where that water table is. And so even digging down, you go eight feet or whatever, even if you don't hit any kind of water or soggy soil or anything like that, you still can be very close to the uh, to the water table. So I just want to make sure I said that clearly because I might have uh, been a little bit more confusing just uh, a second ago there. So that's one of the big deals. So one of the, the pieces of advice here is to build a mound. So think about this. Instead of just going straight and building a latrine, you're building a mound so that you can dig down into that mound to build the latrine. So think about how much work that would be. But again, Spice says it's effective because you don't wind up getting sick and wouldn't that be worth it? All right, so continuing on here. The spot should drain well enough that the liquid waste will filter away from the pit, but it shouldn't be right over limestone bedrock, which has cracks that can serve as highways to get waste directly into the water table. Now, nearness to the residence is a balance of convenience with possible, possible odor. The WHO suggests at least 6 meters or 20 feet of distance. Keep the direction of the prevailing wind in mind when choosing a site because downwind of the privy is no one's favorite. So the pit. The basic idea of a latrine is you dig the pit, put the outhouse over it, and use it for five years or so before it fills. Then you cover it over with dirt, dig a new pit, and move the outhouse. Minimum recommended pit size is 1.5 meters deep by 1 meter in diameter. So that's five feet by three feet round. To better size to your group's needs, you can use the formula 0.06 cubic meters per person per year, then dig it a half meter deeper to account for the final cover of dirt. That's about 2.3 meters deep for a pit one meter long by one meter wide in total for six persons to use for five years. That's eight feet deep by three feet long and wide. The top half meter, 1.5 feet, should be lined to prevent crumbling, more in soils that are especially sandy or clay. The linings can be lots of things, stones, bricks, concrete, blocks, slats of rot-resistant wood or bamboo. And there's a couple of pictures here that might be interesting for you. So what about the base? A base of solid material sits like a collar on top of the pit. It can be of concrete, sawn logs, bricks, etc. Its job is to support to help prevent crumbling of the top of the pit while it holds the weight of the floor above. The base needs to rise at least half a meter or 1.5 feet above the ground level and have a mound that slopes up to it. This is to prevent rainwater from flooding out your pit. So this is an important feature and one I at least had not thought of. So that's very important there to the flooding of a latrine and making sure that water can't get inside of that. And that might be one reason why you want to build it on a, on a mound, you know, that, that kind of takes that out of it. All right, so the floor. The floor rests on the base and may overlap it. It needs to have a smooth surface that slopes toward the hole to ease cleaning. Concrete is good, but there are lots of choices so long as you think smooth and cleanable. The hole through the floor into the pit is best made in a keyhole shape, but can be round. Keep the maximum size of the hole to 250 millimeters or 10 inches or so, so you can't lose any small children down there. 
Here in the U.S., we usually build seats over the hole. Squatter toilets are popular elsewhere in the world and both work fine. Again, there are some pictures here that you might find interesting. All right, so the lid. Be it a sitter or a squatter, the toilet hole needs a good tight-fitting lid. This is an important hygiene point. Flies love human waste as well as human food and will sit on both given the chance. They're also fond of breeding in waste pits. A tight-fitting lid both physically blocks fly entry and makes it dark down there. Apparently, flies are afraid of the dark. Have a good lid and keep it down when the hole's not in use. So what about the shelter? Besides privacy, the shelter should protect the mound that leads up to the base, so make it big enough, leaving openings at the roof line to get airflow up and out. At least here in Missouri, it's a great idea to use good screening on the vents to discourage wasps. The shelter's door should also be tight-fitting. Closing it when the room is not in use is another fly discourager. So what about cover material? The latrines are made more pleasantly by adding cover material of dried organics such as grass or straw to reduce odors. This is a fine idea on many accounts, but will fill the pit faster and shorten the life of the latrine. Your choice. There are certainly a lot of prepping topics that are more fun to think about, but honestly, many of them are less important and less likely to be needed. While most of us wouldn't relish needing to use a latrine, using a bad one is infinitely worse. By the way, there is at least one useful option to the latrine approach. It's called Humanor, and it's a system for safely composting human waste. It's described here. And they have an article linked. Uh, it's a product review, the Lovable Lou composting toilet system that you can link to. The great thing I like about what uh, Spice does, there, she always has links to the things that she references. So there is a PDF at the very end of the article that references that World Health Organization article that she was talking about. So you can you can click on that. All right. So I wanted to read one of the comments here. Um, that I thought was interesting because I remember watching this and hearing about uh, some of this. So uh, I'm going to, well, let me go ahead and just read it from the beginning. Thank you, Spice, for an article on field sanitation. Unless you have an experienced dowser in your group, determining where the underground veins of water is pretty much an educated guess. An error in placement of your outhouse is both a waste of a lot of work digging and contamination of your water supply for a long time. Thus, my concern about outhouses. Also, keeping the urine apart from the solids makes the air-loving good bacteria work so much better. A urinal apart from the solids is best practice from an army point of view. Very few diseases from urine. Personally, from my experience, I strongly prefer the human manure system. Urine is too valuable post-SHTF not to use it as a pest deterrent in your garden fruit trees, as well as diluted one part urine to 10 parts water as an irrigating fertilizer. Some rate it as a 555 fertilizer. All manure is needed for fertilizer and the human manure manual tells you how to use it safely. All right, so there is a, a little bit more added onto that. I'm not going to finish reading that. You can read that if you want over in the comments section. But very interesting, like I said, very important article and something to think about something you don't you know when you're watching or you're reading 
fictional, you know, you know, apocalyptic fiction books and you're watching movies and stuff. This is not anything that's discussed. You don't really think about it. But when you start planning from a whole systems approach and you start, you know, your preparedness planning from there, you know, one of the things I say, like when you get up in the morning, what do you do? And you get up and you go use the restroom. You do that if it's, you know, the world is perfect or if you're in a poop hit the fan situation, you're going to have to do that. So that's something that you need to plan for, something that you need to think about. All right. So I did a, a, a quick search for army manual latrines. So I was looking for an army manual on building latrines and kind of to see what they have in store. And so I did come across one. It was uh, the unit field sanitation team it's a pdf it's free online and so you can you can check it out and and do that but one of the things i remember watching a movie i can't remember it was more of a recent army movie or military movie and i think it was about like afghanistan or iraq or whatever because it was desert but i remember watching one of the guys he was actually in trouble so he got stuck on this duty where he was having to burn out you know, uh, I guess, you know, their latrines, the way that they had it set up. And as I was kind of browsing through this PDF, um, I, I saw this and I'm like, okay, so this is what they were doing. It's called the burnout latrine. So let me read just a little bit about this. The burnout latrine may be provided when the soil is hard, rocky, or frozen, making it difficult to dig a deep pit latrine. It is particularly suitable in areas with high water tables because digging a deep pit is impossible. The burnout latrine is not used when regulations prohibit open fires or air pollution. Personnel should urinate in a urine disposal facility rather than the burnout latrine as more fuel is required to burn out the liquid. So to construct a burnout latrine, an oil drum is cut in half and handles are welded to the sides of the half drum for easy carrying. A wooden seat with a fly-proof self-closing lid is placed on top of the drum. The latrine is burned out daily by adding sufficient fuel to incinerate the fecal matter. Highly volatile fuel such as JP4 should not be used because of its explosive nature. A mixture of one quart or one liter of gasoline to four quarts or four liters of diesel oil is effective, but must also be used with caution. It is convenient to have two sets of drums, one set for use while the other set is being burned clean. If the contents are not rendered dry and odorless by one burning, they should be burned again. Any remaining ash should be buried. All right, so I just I wanted to read that because I remember that part in the movie and I was trying to think back and like, what were they using to burn? How were they you know, going about doing it? And so I just remember it was a really nasty job. And so, you know, he was burning it and he was, you know, swishing around. And so maybe somebody can help me out with the name of that movie. I just can't remember what it was. But anyway, my, my question is, can you use, can you burn it out with anything else other than fuel? Because, you know, the army, of course, they're going to have a supply chain. They're going to be bringing in diesel and gasoline and all that kind of stuff. And they can do that. 
But if you were in a poop hit the fan situation, uh, you know, could you use a burn barrel, right? Could you use it like a burn barrel and, and go from there? I don't know, you know, and so that's just something that I'm kind of thinking about and kind of throwing it out there. How much wood would you have to put in there? How much would you, uh, you know, how big of a fire, how hot would it have to get to burn down the things that are, you know, the, the poop that is in this burn barrel, right? So anyway, I thought that was interesting. I just wanted to share it with you. And I'm going to link to this PDF if you want to go check it out. There's other things that it talks about, not only just building a latrine. It does give you different types of latrines to build. So if you're interested in that. Well, guys, that's it for the article. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can come check it out. There are links that you can click on. There are pictures that you can see if you need to get more of a visual or want to dive a little bit deeper into this topic, which I think everybody should. And we should have a little bit more, uh, you know, information on this and have a plan. So maybe one of the things you can think about is if you couldn't use your toilet, you couldn't use the sewer anymore. What would you do for your family and what would you do in your neighborhood? And do you have, you know, is there a plan? Do you have maybe an open space that you could build a latrine? Do you have some woods close by that you can get your neighbors, rally your neighbors and say, hey, look, if we don't have do this, we're going to run into some really bad sicknesses and we're all going to die, you know, and you get them to use this one latrine. I mean, I don't know, you know, so think about what you would do. A lot of people don't think about that. Well, everyone, that's it for episode 571. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to the Prepper website podcast.com or search for the Prepper website podcast in your podcast catcher. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a link in the show notes so that you can join the Prepper website email list. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.